Welcome back to another edition of the GOAT Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Clark. Flying solo today, we have the NFC East on our division state of the division roundup. And so we want to begin with the team that hired Eric Bieniemy, uh, the Washington Commanders. This is an interesting team because, yet again, we see when we look at their roster, quite a lot of holes that could be filled. I'm not so sure that they're going to go after anybody. I, I don't really know that they'll be in the Lamar Jackson sweepstake. Although there was a, a funny video with uh, Adam Schefter, who had basically stated that Lamar Jackson was traded to the Commanders, even though he hadn't been, and that did make its rounds uh, because of a 20-second clip that floated around the Internet. I don't think that's going to happen, though, because you don't have a new regime yet. I mentioned in one of the episodes that we are going to air this weekend as a special draft episode that if Ron Rivera gets fired this year, it's probably going to be Eric Bieniemy's team. Knowing that, I don't know that they're going to go all in on a quarterback and then the very next year be a completely new head coach with a different philosophy who's been used to Patrick Mahomes for the last five years now. At quarterback, they have Jake Fromm. He's unfortunately a non-factor. Most of his career he has been. Taylor Heineke has seen some reps playing, but not much. And Sam Howell uh, was a little bit of an impressive rookie. Uh, You know, you pull up his stats. He did play in one game that he won. They they won against the Dallas Cowboys, 26-6. I do think that the Cowboys were not playing a good majority of their starters in that game. Uh, So, you know, take that win with a grain of salt. However, he didn't look terrible. 11 to 19, 169 yards, touchdown, and an interception. Took three sacks, and there you go. So there's Sam Howell, who could be a starter for their, their team this year. You also have Antonio Gibson at running back. He took a big step back this past year. Uh, I remember when Antonio Gibson came out, I was still playing dynasty football in the NFL.com league. We now use Sleeper. Uh, By the way, Sleeper is not a sponsor, nor do I ever think they would be, or would we ever keep them. But Sleeper is a phenomenal app if you're going to do fantasy sports. It's very customizable. It's an awesome app for you to use with your friends. We switched to Sleeper, but on NFL.com, when Gibson was first drafted to the Commanders, he was listed as a wide receiver, but he plays running back. And so I thought, oh, There you go. What an awesome glitch that you can take advantage of. And so I did draft Antonio Gibson, and I quickly traded him. Last year, last year, he had 149 attempts for 546 yards and three touchdowns on 3.7 yards per carry average. You might be wondering, what happened? A guy named Brian Robinson happened. He had 205 carries for 797 yards, two touchdowns, averaging 3.9 yards. Now, what needs to be remembered about this is he only played a very small amount of games. In fact, if you were to pull up when he started, he started having some carries back in October, on October the 9th against Tennessee. He got nine carries for 22 yards. The very next week in a game that they won on Thursday Night Football, a very ugly game against the Bears, he had 17 carries 
60 yards, and a touchdown. He was the game-winning touchdown in that game. Following week, they also won. He got 20 carries, 73 yards. Then they beat the Colts. He had eight carries for 20 yards. You're starting to see a little bit of a trend here. I want you to notice this. Monday Night Football against the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. He has 26 carries for 86 yards and a touchdown. Two weeks later, he would beat the Atlanta Falcons with 18 carries, 105 yards, and a 5.8 average. This running back, who was drafted in the third round, very much like Antonio Gibson, pick number 98, I think he's going to take a big step forward this year, and I think he's going to take even more of Antonio Gibson's carries. I remember when Gibson was drafted, people talked about him as if he were the next Christian McCaffrey, and I bought into that too, and I was wrong. He's not. He's a great player who is probably going to be used in situational downs. J.D. McKissick, I wouldn't be surprised to see him completely take a back seat. Jarrett Patterson has proven to be a capable guy who is basically the same weight, stats, and four years younger in his NFL career, six years younger total. Brian Williams, guys. (laughs) Brian Williams. Brian Robinson. He's probably going to take a big jump in year two. Wide receivers, a lot to talk about. Jahan Dotson. Had kind of an up-and-down season, but he proved he could play. And and something I want you guys to think about when we talk about these wide receivers, and I give you their stats, on certain teams, we talked about the Panthers, the Falcons, the Buccaneers. When you look at quarterback play that is as up-and-down as Carolina, it's as up-and-down as New Orleans, it's as up-and-down as the Commanders. When a rookie wide receiver who didn't get to play every single game, he did get hurt, but when you talk about a guy who played the amount of games that he played, 12 games, he had 35 receptions on 61 targets, 523 yards, and you're thinking, this is underwhelming. He had seven touchdowns as a rookie with some quarterback play that was shoddy and shaky at best. That's a guy to watch for year two. If you're playing dynasty football, and one of the one of the days when we get past the draft, I'll, I'll start doing some dynasty content. Right now, it, it kind of behooves us, if you will, to do some dynasty content. But Jahan Dotson is in a prime breakout position. And the reason for that is the guy on the other side, Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry, people call him. Coming into his fifth year, he is a monster. And he's quarterback proof. Something about Scary Terry that is so impressive. He has 21 touchdowns in his career. Kind of had a down year in touchdowns last year. Only had five. He had 1,100 yards. He had 77 receptions on 120 targets. He is only not caught of the 477 times that he's been targeted. He's caught 299 of them. 178 times the ball did not make it into his hands. He... I don't know what else to say other than what I said earlier. He's quarterback proof. The tight end room leaves much to be desired. You know, you got Logan Thomas. John Bates played a little bit last year. Then you have Armani Rogers and Curtis Hodges entering their second seasons. Hodges is basically going to be a blocking tight end. That's almost all that John Bates has become, too. It's a deep tight end class. And if you're looking for a time to really make a splash, and you're not going to draft a quarterback at 16, 
Go ahead and take your tight end. But they are in the Lamar Jackson conversation. I'm not so sure that they'll take him. You get onto their defense, and you might remember Monica and I talked about this in one of the episodes that we did together. It's basically Alabama. Uh, the, the amount of times that you will read Alabama, you've got Jonathan Allen. He played at Alabama. You have Fedarian Mathis. He played at Alabama. Deron Payne just signed a huge contract extension. Uh, in, in fact, when you look at what Deron Payne signed, I think it's $90 million guaranteed or a $90 million contract overall. He's going to be there for a while. He's only 25. It's his sixth season coming in. He played at Alabama. You also come down here and you're looking around. You've got some other names that are kind of interesting. Derek Forrest played at Cincinnati. Not an Alabama guy, but he had a big season last year. Cameron Curl was kind of hurt. He's entering his fourth year, but he is going to take his starting role back. He's a starting safety. He's one of those guys, seventh-round pick in 2020, 216, and he's their starter, and he's really, really good. Derek Forrest entering his third year. He was drafted in the fifth round, pick 163. I want you all to think about something. I know we're going to talk a lot over the next couple of weeks about the first three rounds of the NFL draft. And there's going to be a lot of conversations had about what makes a team successful. What I've noticed for what it's worth, and I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, especially not in all things football, but what I've noticed, when you have a team that can hit past the fourth round, a fifth-round pick and beyond, when you have a team that can do that once, it's impressive. When you have a team that can do that multiple times, it shows their scouting department knows what they're doing. The thing to think about, you're looking at Deron Payne here. He was a first-round pick. Obviously, he was an amazing pick. You go over to Montez Sweat. He was a first-round pick. So they spent a lot of time. Chase Young, of course, he had an up-and-down season. Spent a lot of money, a lot of picks in the first few rounds. You look at the safeties. Their fifth round or beyond. The Washington Commanders have to make a splash. They've got to do something. They were 8-8-1. They need a quarterback. If you're going to say Sam Howell's the guy, that's great. That's awesome. You better give him a weapon at tight end because Logan Thomas cannot stay healthy. It's been a problem for him now. In fact, if you pull up his stats from the last couple of years, really the last season, he had 39 receptions, 323 yards, and a touchdown. Look, I'm getting a little bit sick of the narrative that he's a spectacular tight end. He had one good year. One good year in 2020. The weirdest year of all, he had 72 receptions on 110 targets for 670 yards, and he had six touchdowns. What did he do before that, you might ask? Oh, well, his rookie season, if you will, with the the Buffalo Bills, he had nine catches, or nine targets, excuse me, for seven catches and a touchdown. Didn't play the full year. Following season, he had 17 targets, 12 catches, No touchdowns. By the way, those 12 catches, 77 yards. 
The next year, he had four more catches than he had the year before. He was with Detroit now, 2019, 16 catches, 173 yards, scores a touchdown, his second touchdown of his career. Has a breakout year in 2020 and does nothing the next year. He's hurt, misses all but six games of 2021 season. Comes back this year, has 61 targets, catches 31, 39 balls, misses three games, has one touchdown. Can we move on from the narrative that Logan Thomas is a relevant player? Can we move on from the narrative that Logan Thomas is a difference maker? Guys, he used to play quarterback. He used to play quarterback in 2014. He actually has quarterback stats. 2014 with the Arizona Cardinals, he completed one pass of nine attempts, 81 yards. He scored a touchdown as a quarterback. He was sacked twice. He's just not that good. And I think it's time. Go into free agency and do something. We just saw what happened with Jalen Ramsey. There's tight ends like Hunter Long that are being traded after two seasons of basically doing nothing. And we're going to give Logan Thomas another year as a starter? I don't buy that. I genuinely think there's got to be a better move. There's got to be something better for them. The Washington Commanders don't have a lot of holes on defense. They might need to get some corners. They might need to kind of look into that. In fact, I really don't think they've got a lot to write home about at corner cornerback now. Um, I'm not seeing anything really here that it is interesting. They've got Kendall Fuller, but I've heard reports that he may not even be there after a while. They do need to get a little younger, and they definitely need a playmaker at tight end. That's the Washington Commanders. Now... The remaining three teams of what used to be called the NFC Least playoff teams. And one of them even went to the Super Bowl. We'll save them for last. But the New York Giants, we need to talk about them next because Daniel Jones. Oh, what a huge contract Daniel Jones just got. Daniel Jones signed a four-year contract. I want you to think about this. Here are his stats from last year. He had 3,200 yards passing, 15th in the NFL, 15 touchdowns, throwing 21st in the NFL, only five interceptions. It's a pretty good amount, you know, of of keeping the ball healthy. He signs a four-year deal minutes before Tuesday's headline, $160 million, with $82 million guaranteed at signing. Now you ask yourself, Giants fans, are you excited about that move? And I am. And I, I'm excited about it simply because you're looking at a guy in Daniel Jones who had one year with Brian Dable. He got him to the playoffs. He played good enough football for them to not have to worry about making a bunch of mistakes. You've got Saquon Barkley back there still. He was franchise tagged. He's going to at least play out on the tag if they can't get a long-term deal done. And you've got some wide receivers to write home about. I do think they need to add a playmaker. But Isaiah Hodgins, he came out of nowhere. I mean, he had 37 receptions for 392 yards, four touchdowns, and you you might be thinking, Michael, that's not that much. He only played eight games, and he did that. 
He was a six-round pick back in 2020 by the Buffalo Bills, and here he is now. He's a guy that we're talking about being a starting wide receiver for the New York Giants. Wandale Robinson, unfortunately, I, I don't really know what that pick was about. I know one of our guys on the network, Bradley Smith, is a big Kentucky fan, and I know he loves Wandale Robinson. I felt like that was a reach when they made it, mainly because of his size. Now, if they can get him in the slot and they can keep him as a guy that doesn't have to worry about being the guy, I could see him having a long career. Guys, Wes Welker was able to have a big, long, tenured career as a slot receiver primarily, and he played some outside, but for the most part, they found creative ways to get in the ball where he wasn't having to go across the middle of the field and getting decked by linebackers. That's what Wandale Robinson should do. They are letting Kenny Galladay go. What a waste of a contract that was. Sterling Shepard is also a guy that is still going to be there. And here's what I want to talk about offensively for them. Daniel Bellinger. You know this guy broke his eye socket? And came back like four games later. (laughs) He was a rookie tight end last year. This is his second year. He had 30 receptions, 268 yards, two touchdowns. He really kind of came into his own as an option where he had a couple of games that were intriguing because he really didn't have a lot of games where he dropped passes. He caught 30 of his 35 targets. That's the type of guy that you know you can trust when you're playing against a very good defense, and your tight end's probably going to be your safety blanket. You're looking at Daniel Bellinger as a guy you can trust. Defensively. What to talk about defensively other than the fact that they've got a very good defensive line and kind of a very up-in-the-air back end. Landon Collins is back. You know, you can rejoice about that if you want to. Xavier McKinney is there. But that's about it. I mean, they've kind of dumpster-dived a little bit with some of the players that they've picked up. And you kind of have to in some cases. But they don't really have a whole lot outside of their front seven. And even their their linebacking core kind of leaves much to be desired. They had Jalen Smith last year. Micah McFadden couldn't have a big second season, and Jared Davis, and that that's about it. Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, these guys are great players. But I think they're going to have to fix a few other things if they're going to go deeper into the playoffs. Dallas Cowboys. All right. Let's get the jokes out of the way now. It's been decades. Decades since the Dallas Cowboys have made an NFC Championship appearance. I can do the low blow, and then I'll give you a more, you know, kind analysis. The low blow is, until Jerry Jones is gone, they're not going to improve. I think there's a part of that that is true. But I also think we need to remind ourselves of something here. Offensively, They've got one player who is absolutely being dubbed right now. He's going into his fourth season. 
He's been a really good wide receiver. Really, really good wide receiver. That's CeeDee Lamb. And in some cases, you could even say he had a little bit of a down year last year. 107 receptions, 1,359 yards, nine touchdowns. Why do I say he kind of had a down year? He did catch the most in his career. He also had the most yards in his career. However, it felt like he struggled when Dak was hurt. And I think his numbers would have been even bigger had Dak been healthy the whole year. And that really, therein lies the problem with the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott. You can make all of the arguments you want. And it's Jerry Jones' fault. It's Jerry Jones' fault. It's Dak. In the playoffs, when they lost to the 49ers, again, by the way, Dak struggled mightily. When they played against the Buccaneers, he looked great. 25-33 for 305 yards. Four touchdowns. No interceptions. He fell massively. He threw four more times in the very next game in the divisional round. He completed two less passes, 23 of 37 instead of 25 of 33. He threw for 99 less yards, three less touchdowns, and two more picks. Oh, by the way, on the season, and he didn't play the whole the whole year, but on the season, he threw 2,086 Ah, 2,860 yards, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. He played 12 games, guys. 12 games. Also, you can look last year and think, well, he had a good season last year, had 4,400 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, and guess what he did? He fumbled big time in the postseason. You look at the postseason in 2021, he had one game. He was 23 of 43, 254 yards. He had a touchdown and an interception. He was sacked five times in that game. Who did they play, you might ask? Oh, it was the 49ers. Two years, two different quarterbacks for the 49ers outplaying Dak Prescott, winning close games. But if Dak would take it to another level – they could have won those games. It's Dak's fault. It's it. That's the answer. This team, top to bottom, is got a great offense. They've got a spectacular defense. Micah Parsons. The only big hole that I could really see them needing to fill is this. I made a comment that the Cowboys should put another guy opposite of Micah Parsons. And the only reason I say that is, you got to remember, I'm a Steelers fan. Obviously, you know that. Do you know why James Harrison was such a good player for us? It's because he made other guys who didn't do anything on any other team have multiple sacks a season. You know what we saw with T.J. Watt? We saw T.J. Watt getting doubled, sometimes triple teamed, Alex Highsmith and a bunch of our other players are getting sacks left and right. You need that extra guy. It doesn't have to be a Will Anderson. It doesn't have to be a Jalen Carter. But there's got to be a linebacker 
an outside linebacker that you can find in free agency or the draft that would be enough to strike some fear. You know, he doesn't even have to be a starter. He just needs to be a rotational piece, a piece that you can manipulate it and put him on the field and make it a difficult day for the offensive line to block you. You got Demarcus Lawrence. He's been great. But you've got to make some moves. Leighton Vander Esch, probably not coming back. Donovan Wilson, probably not coming back. Make some moves defensively. Shore up some of those holes. And I, I'm going to say it because I have to be somewhat controversial on this on this show sometimes in order to keep you at you know, listening. If it were me, and if I were Jerry Jones, and I think Jerry Jones is doesn't have the temperament that is needed to not do this, but if it were me, if I have the same story next year, Dak's gone, McCarthy is gone, and we start over again. Nobody wants to hear that. That's a Cowboys fan especially. But that's what you have to think about. Now we come to the last team in the NFC East. The NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. 14-3. and three. And you could argue they probably could have been 16-1. and one. Jalen Hurts missed a couple of games. And I believe those are two of the games that they lost were the ones that he missed. They lost to the Washington Commanders when he was playing. And they won every other game that he started. The only game that they lost was Monday Night Football when he was 17-26 for 175 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. They just couldn't get anything going. Every other time, they won. The only other game they lost with Jalen Hurts as a starter was the Super Bowl. And you could honestly argue, and I'm no Eagles fan, but you could honestly argue that he might have deserved the MVP over Mahomes. Dude had four touchdowns, no picks, had 103.4 rating, a QBR of 79.7, and he definitely outplayed Mahomes in all of the statistical categories that mattered outside of final score. I don't know if that would have been true if Mahomes was completely healthy. It may not have been. But what I do know, if we looked up free agents for the Philadelphia Eagles, let me let me read these names to you and let's you know, let's just see where we're at. I believe Fletcher Cox did re-sign. Robert Quinn, free agent. Javon Hargrave, free agent. Jason Kelsey, free agent. James Bradbury, free agent. These are starters. Andre Dillard, free agent. Kazir White, free agent. TJ Edwards, free agent. And Dominican Sue. I know he's 36 years old, but, you know, bear with me. Free agent. Linval Joseph, free agent. Boston Scott, free agent. Zach Paschal, free agent. Miles Sanders, free agent. Cha Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, free agent. 
Tyree Jackson, free agent. Gardner Minshew, been a good backup quarterback for them, free agent. And Marcus Epps. Can you tell me something here? Can you tell me why I'm supposed to believe that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to make it back to the Super Bowl? They're losing a bunch of the players that helped them break a sack record last year. I don't think they have a real big step down with Kenneth Gainwell taking over the starting running back. And for all I know, they may take B. John Robinson with one of their first-round picks. They may love B. John Robinson so much that they say, ah, forget the cornerbacks, we'll figure that out later. That's not to mention the fact that Hassan Reddick is supposed to be potentially leaving. Darius Slay has been granted the permission to seek a trade, and nine times out of ten when a team does that, they end up honoring the request. They end up granting the request. There's a lot of turnover coming to the Philadelphia Eagles. Do I think that they make the playoffs again? Yeah, I think that's possible. I'm not so sure that the Giants also, you know, make the playoffs along with the, you know, Cowboys. I don't know if the Commanders make enough moves to really kind of get in there. But they definitely, they got a lot to worry about. They got a lot to worry about here. And this is kind of going back to the debate that Monica and I had on the episode that's going to come up this weekend. They went all in. They went all in to win this year's Super Bowl. They came up short, barely losing out to the Kansas City Chiefs, 38-35. I don't think they would say that they regretted doing what they did, but I definitely think it's got to sting when you go all in, you bring in all these pieces, you set records. You set records. And you fall by the wayside. That's the NFC East. A lot to cover in 30 minutes, I know, but we'll have more to talk about when we do some free agent roundups here. There's a lot for these teams to be thinking about doing. And one of the things I love about the NFL, even the Super Bowl winning team, when we get over to the AFC side, the Chiefs have moves they've got to think about making. The Bengals have moves they've got to think about making. And so does your team. No goat versus goat debate today. It kind of feels weird to just debate myself. But tomorrow, we'll be back again to talk about the NFC West. Until then, take care.